Hi everybody, this is John with Out of Character. Uh, this week we're going to be taking a brief break from our new campaign, Wanted in Ornell. I know some of you have been enjoying that. We will be getting back to that this coming week. Uh, but we wanted to take a quick pause just to give people time to get caught up with that. Uh, so today I do want to talk about something just kind of general gaming related. When I was a kid, probably I'm going to say somewhere, you know, right around the age of eight, there was a festival in one of the towns I grew up in. It was like the usual street fair thing. Local businesses would have sales and they put out all kinds of stuff. There'd be, uh, you know, just kind of food vendors in the town. I spent most of my youth in that was just what we did. My mom volunteered to be one of the people that ran it. And it was a cool thing for the community to come together and, you know, celebrate the town that we all were part of. Eight-year-old me is, you know, not into being around people. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, you know, walking around all day looking at the different stores, just generally trying to find something to do for the eight or so, eight hours or so that we'd be there. And the local hardware store had a blanket that they put on the sidewalk right out front. And on this, I see a book. Now, at first glance, I, I don't know what this thing is or what it has to do with hardware. All I really see on it is that there are dragons, which are being ridden by by what look like knights, and they're engaged in an aerial battle, breathing fire, and it's called The Legend of Huma. So I I see this, and I take the, the couple of dollars that my parents had given me to, you know, buy a whatever to keep me entertained for the day, and I bought this book, and I spent the day basically trying to read it on the corner of the street, and I was just, like, enthralled by this thing. It was just this awesome, amazing story that I loved. Um, I mean, I'd read other fantasy books at that point, of course. You know, I'd read The Hobbit and all those sorts of things, and I loved those, too. And I'd seen the, the Rankin-Bass animated one that I think anyone who has an interest has probably seen at this point. But So The Legend of Huma for those who don't know, is a book that is set in one of the iconic Dungeons & Dragons universes, which is Dragonlance. Um, there have been a ton of Dragonlance books over the years. Throughout the years, there have been official adventures that were created in the Dragonlance universe. Uh, they did various you know, setting guides, just like they used to. And over the years, it's kind of become... Something that they gravitated away from a bit, I think. You will find references to Dragonlance in 5th edition books, but there's no official setting or anything like that. Right now, really, it seems like the focus is on Forgotten Realms. But I always liked Dragonlance, and one of the cool characters in Legend of Huma, you have, of course, Huma, who's a knight, a very iconic, you know, big name figure in that world. But one of the characters I always thought was fascinating and kind of an example of a character who overshadows the main character was Kaz the Minotaur. And that kind of brings me to today's topic, which is Minotaurs. So Kaz is, in this world, basically Minotaurs are a slave species. They have been forced to serve under uh, the evil humans and goblins, and they're basically rank-and-file soldiers for the various evil armies in that world. They, uh, you know, they don't have self-reliance, they don't have anything really going for them, and Kaz basically refused to 
follow an order that he felt was beneath him and killed his commanding officer, which leads to him being, leads to him basically having to go on the run and then he's being hunted down. That's where he and Huma meet and they go off to have adventures. You know, and Kaz is this really cool minotaur because in all the fiction I can think of, there aren't that many minotaur characters who get to be important or special or even really characters. They're, you know, usually at best kind of monsters that roam through the room and kill everything, or at worst, they're just in the background, uh, you know. So Kaz goes on to have other adventures uh, after The Legend of Huma, and I think one of the things that Dragonlance did so well that no other setting really ever did was to take this idea of the Minotaur and expand on it and make it... Uh, a really a playable species that you could enjoy and have fun with. To me, the Minotaurs in Dragonlance always kind of felt like they were very, uh, they were kind of elements of Rome and elements of the Klingon Empire and elements of Greek mythology all kind of mixed together and made into something new. Uh, they were a species that was very focused on personal honor. They were not a species that would, you know, cast aside their own honor for the sake of glory or for the sake of vanity or for the sake of winning a battle. At the same time, they were also a very militaristic species. They believed it was their fate to become the dominant power in Kryn, and they they saw it as their place in the world to kind of rule over everything and bring order to everything. They were a species that favored order, and, they, you know, they, they weren't killers. They wouldn't just, you know, go... They usually wouldn't just kill someone for the sake of just murdering someone. They weren't savage. They had reasons for what they did. Uh, so, like, just like Klingons have, you know, their personal honor, the Minotaurs have personal honor. They have a code that guides their actions. Um, as far as, like, the hierarchy and everything, the Minotaurs in Kryn had an emperor. Uh, they had... Big gladiatorial fights where matters could be set, you know, you could challenge an emperor and engage in combat to try and unseat them. Uh, I think it was the Circus Maximus was where they had all the big, and it was this big open air arena that you do see a couple of times, uh, in various books. I always thought that the Minotaur was kind of interesting because there are a couple, like, there, there's no shortage of monsters and creatures that show up in Dungeons and Dragons games that trace their origins to some form of story or mythology from around the world. And there's this cool, like, little subsection of Greek and Roman mythology creatures. You have, like, you have minotaurs, and you have gorgons, and you have harpies, and um, uh, you have the, the cyclops, you know, they're all kind of in there, and it's like, oh, these are things that you might have heard about when you were reading, like, a Greek mythology book when you are a kid. Or, you know, seen on a TV show or whatnot, because they're pretty iconic creatures. They're, they're popular. I'm always kind of surprised when you come to any of the other settings. Minotaurs basically come in one of two speeds. They're either completely ignored, or they're treated as just savage monsters. That's what they do. Uh, like Forgotten Realms, they're cannibals that favor eating the flesh of other sentient beings. So if, you see one, generally speaking, they're going to be killed as soon as people set eyes on them because they're probably coming into town to either kill them or kill them and eat them. And it's just kind of a letdown to go from from, from something really cool like Kaz to a savage thing that eats and kills people. I do love that in the Unearthed Arcana, the Waterborn, uh, they, one of the things they included was stats to play 
a minotaur as a playable species. And it even kind of goes back and forth with, like, you know, very much if you look at that, the stuff that's there, and they they, they mention this, they're favoring the idea of the, the Kryn minotaurs. And I really would love to see that kind of folded into a setting that is being favored more by 5th edition. If we ever get to see, like, a Dragonlance 5e setting that's official, that'd be great, because I think people would really enjoy them. You know, they're a species that their uh, naval warfare is a big deal for them. They're very... Because they're an island of people, so, of course, they have embraced the sea. They've embraced naval warfare. They're very strategic, so... There's a lot of cool things you could do with, like, a naval-based campaign with the Minotaurs of Dragonlance. Uh, and they gave them some other cool things. Like, of course, you have the whole thing of, like, yes, they can they can charge people with their horns. And uh, they gave them, like, Labyrinthian Recall so they can perfectly recall where they've been, which is really handy for dungeon crawls and things like that. Minotaurs, to me, are just cool because you can play them any number of ways. Yes, if you want to play just the big, stupid, lumbering Minotaur who favors, you know, might, but they have a code of honor to them... That could be fun. It's something different that you can do that you might not get to uh, enjoy as much. You know, having a social structure to the character that's like, okay, well, your character's made it to this point in the social, in the world, in this society, so they've clearly either learned how to get around that or they've embraced that, at least in part. If you really want to look into, like, what kind of goes on with Minotaurs in uh, the Dragonlance setting... There are a couple of great books that you should definitely check out. So for one, The Legend of Huma, this is the one that introduces Kaz, and uh, he is, I'm going to say, one of the main characters, or at at least the secondary character. Uh, there's a lot going on there, but there's this great kind of like, I, I want to say there's almost like a Chewbacca Han Solo thing going on between Huma and Kaz, but... I don't want to make Huma Han Solo because he's he's way too upright and honest of a guy to ever be Han Solo, but it's a similar kind of dynamic. He did get some other appearances. They gave him a standalone book called Kaz the Minotaur, which is basically his adventures after that initial outing with Huma. He also had an appearance in... Uh, he's in... He's the main character in The Land of Minotaurs, where this is the first time we get to go to see where the Minotaurs are, their, their island nation, and um, we get to kind of get a, not an end, but kind of a uh, culmination of his story. You know, he's gone from a slave soldier to an exile to an outsider to, you know, he's coming home. He's, his story has, uh, has, has culminated in this. And it's a really cool dynamic for him. There is, if you're also interested, you want to kind of see just other Minotaurs, there's Reavers of the Blood Sea. Uh, one of the main characters in there is a Minotaur, and it kind of plays on what's going on during the war with Chaos, uh, who was one of the Elder Gods in the Dragonlance universe. He's basically, everything was formed from Chaos, and Chaos gets pissed and decides to destroy the world. The Minotaur War Trilogy, which basically, uh, there's like a sect that basically is moving to seize power within the Minotaur Nation, and they do so in various ways. Uh, that one, I'll be honest, I read the first couple of books in that. Uh, I read the first two books in it, and it never really grabbed onto me the same way that uh, the other stuff did. But it's maybe it's more to your taste. There For me, that was a little... There, there was a lot of political maneuvering and things, but that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying anything bad about the book. It just wasn't my personal taste. So maybe you'll like those. The War of Souls trilogy, which was kind of the... 
big wrap-up to uh, what had been going on in Dragonlance for a long time. That features a lot of stuff with the Minotaurs, uh, which is very handy. I really do think that it's uh, a species that we, we kind of underserve them. Um, I'm psyched because I'm going to be playing a half-Minotaur. Yeah, I know. I'm playing a half-Minotaur in a, a game that Christina is going to be running. I don't know if we'll record that. We probably won't. We're going to be doing Tomb of Annihilation. I don't think anyone will be interested in hearing me and everybody go through that, but that's something that I'm excited about. I just like Minotaurs. I think they're fun and different, and it's like, it's kind of fun to play as species that, while they might do things that are not necessarily good, they're not just like outright evil. It seems like in Dungeons and Dragons, a lot of species go from, well, these are the upright stalwart good people, then you have, you know, humans kind of in the middle can go anywhere. And then there's the crazy evil things that will kill and eat you. And I understand that's an extreme, you know, simplification, but it's just, it feels that way. It's like, it's fun for there to be like, yes, these people will ally with you because they have guidelines. They will stick to what they say. And I feel like Minotaurs just don't really come up anywhere else. It's like, if you look in the Monster Manual, Minotaurs basically get one page. The artwork is really cool for the Minotaur, but that's it. Uh, fourth edition, they did a lot of stuff with Minotaurs. Uh, they were in the third, the Player's Handbook 3. Whether or not you like 4th edition, they did at least become like, the, these were one of the playable species. They weren't one of the first ones out of the gate, but at least they did eventually get something to bring them to the table. It just feels like other games don't really do anything with them. I mean, I'm sure someone's, like, you have like in Shadowrun, you have all these different fantasy-inspired creatures. You know, you have elves and dwarves and orcs and all that. But you don't really see minotaurs coming up. You don't see them really crop up much of anywhere else. So I'm glad that Dragonlance kind of took the idea and said, what can we do with this that is that is different? What, you know, and it's kind of like they... I would say the worst minotaur is probably like a lawful evil character, which can be a lot of fun to play because it's like, while you may not trust that character implicitly you know that they won't just stab you in the back. It's like, you know, we have an understanding. This character doesn't cross us, and we trust them not to stab us as soon as our back's turned. I think they can be fun NPCs because they kind of have that Romulan or Klingon-esque kind of arrogance about themselves. Like, Romulans, to me, always sit there, and they're just like, we are destined to rule the galaxy. The the Alpha Quadrant is going to be ours eventually. And, uh, you know, from that same place you have... I always thought of... I always think the thing that kind of made Minotaurs more fun in Dragonlance was in other settings it seems like they don't really get their own deity. They get a demon who's basically like feeding their wild, savage impulses. Whereas in Dragonlance Sargonis, who is number two evil deity, created them. And has kind of like while they have been, in, you know, enslaved and brought into all these other wars, this god that wants them to succeed has been cheering them on and saying, like, hey, your day will come. And it's this great story of kind of, like, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're persecuted, they're mistreated. And I always loved Kaz because he didn't let that drag him down. He didn't let that make him a bad person. He never strived to be perfect. He had, he, he acknowledged his flaws about himself. But he always tried to do the right thing, or what he felt was the right thing, you know, what his honor compelled him to do. 
He also had one of the coolest magical items I've ever seen. I won't spoil what it is because those of you that know, know. And those of you who haven't read it yet, it's a, it's a great part of his journey and I don't want to take that away from anyone. So if you're sitting there and you're making a D&D character and you're thinking like, man, I really, you're thinking, I, I really want to make something different. I, I, I've, I've played dozens of halflings. I've played Dragonborn. I've played humans that more humans than I can count. Talk to your GM and be, say like, you know, I'd really like to play a Minotaur. Even if you're not doing a Dragonlance game, say, like, can we, like, fold something like this into our setting? It's this thing that, like, Dragonlance had a lot of really cool stuff about it that was unique. Uh, I loved their magic system. I loved how there were, you know, how that whole thing worked. And I, I kind of really miss it in 5th edition. I wish that, you know, I know a lot of people are screaming for, like, Eberron and... Gamma World and Dark Sun and all these other settings to kind of, of, of make a comeback. And I, I understand the love and I understand why it's not happening right now. But I do hope that someday, like, we get, even if it's just like a pamphlet of just here's fifth edition stats for various things, you know, the Heroes of the Lance and all that stuff to come back. I'd love to see Kaz get fifth edition stats. Um, if anybody out there can find any D&D stats for Kaz floating around, I'd, I'd be psyched to see him. I haven't ever found anything. So sorry if you're bored listening to hear, listening to me talk about minotaurs. I just think they're cool. And um, I enjoy them. And I wanted to talk about them for some reason today, probably because I'm getting ready to play that character. Uh, for those of you who follow me on social media, we are on track to replace all the D&D books that were destroyed in the flood. Uh, luckily, I didn't lose too many and nothing that was signed or super rare. That is part of the reason that we're not doing ORNL today because I had to replace some books so that I would have the resource on hand. But yeah, so until next time, everybody, this is John with Out of Character saying, as always, play more games and be safe. Until next time, bye! <laughs>